0: Hello, I'm Justin Wheeler, and welcome to this episode of Nonstop Nonprofit. Pop quiz listeners, how much greater is the risk of suicide that our veterans and service members face versus their peers who haven't served? Before we answer that, let me introduce you to the Nonstop Nonprofit podcast guests today, Nick Black and Tina Starkey. Nick is the founder and CEO of social fundraising solution, Good United, and he's also founded powerhouse nonprofit, Stop Soldier Suicide. Tina, Stop Soldier Suicide's Chief Growth Officer, brings a wealth of experience in the social realm, coming from the American Cancer Society as their Senior Director of Social Marketing. By uniting their abilities and planting a flag in the sand, in 2020, Stop Soldier Suicide raised over 4 million and gained 100,000 new donors through Facebook fundraising alone, allowing them to shrink the gap that stretches between the soldiers at risk for suicide and our national population. It's a big, bold goal. Service members and veterans have a 50% higher rate of suicide than the national average here in the US. One of my biggest takeaways from this conversation is how Stop Soldier Suicide's big, bold goal completely flipped their perspective. Like any other nonprofit, the founder saw a need and wanted to help. But when Nick started thinking concretely and looked at their capacity for impact, he realized that deeper donor relationships wasn't just mission critical, it was the key to being mission accomplished. During this conversation, Nick and Tina are the embodiment of expert yet excited non innovating on the fly, applying expansive strategies targeted to very specific donor segments, and infusing their work with an urgency that blows past the reservations that often hold donors back, offering them a chance to invest in the lives of those who have invested everything in our liberty. Let's dive in. It is your number one priority to ensure that your business can continue to deliver on its mission, whether it's this year, next year, and beyond. I'm
1: always so baffled when I when I do webinars. There's always somebody at the end who raises their hand and says, I'm the development director. Should I have access to the budget? <laughs> I'm always like, yes, you've got to know that.
2: The best thing that we can do is just raise as much money as possible and then give it to the people around the world.
1: If you're going to be sustainable, you have to have a multi-channel strategy to reach all of these different generations of donors however they want to be reached.
0: The best thing you can ever do as a nonprofit leader is spend as much money as possible on your story. And it snowballs like any peer-to-peer campaign. The more people that view this content, the further and further it grows. Then you're doing it wrong. Okay. That is unacceptable and that is not the way to run a board. The more nonprofits can give their donor base that experience of the impact that's being made on the ground level, there's nothing else that you have to give someone. This is Nonstop Nonprofit. Tina, Nick, thank you so much for joining the Nonstop Nonprofit podcast. I'm really excited uh, to dig in and to talk about Facebook fundraising. Tina, I know Stop Soldier Suicide has grown quite a bit with uh, this this channel. And Nick, being the founder of Good United, a company that's helping nonprofits uh, really optimize Facebook fundraising excited to just kind of dig in and, and, and learn from what you guys are seeing and, and how it's impacting organizations. But before we jump into that good stuff, I'd like to take a few moments to learn uh, more about your guys' organizations. And so Tina, tell us a little bit more. You've been work- you worked with some of, of America's largest nonprofits. You've been in the nonprofit space for a, uh, a good amount of time. So tell us a little bit about your background and why you love working, assuming that you love working in the uh, nonprofit sector.
1: Hey, Justin, thanks for having me. I do love working in the nonprofit sector, um, as you know, much of a glutton for punishment as I am. <laughs> um, but it's been a labor of love. I, I, I like to say I grew up in this space. I started at the American Cancer Society right out of college. I really grew up in the time in which peer-to-peer fundraising was moving from analog to digital. So I spent the beginning of my career, you know, grassroots fundraising, peer-to-peer for, for one of the biggest nonprofits in the country, with the biggest, you know, peer-to-peer event in the world, Relay for Life, and truly in love my love my time at the American Cancer Society. I, I kind of went from a local role to a regional role, and then left in 2019 as the National Director of Social Media. Um, and it was really this big transition, you know, taking an organization like the American Cancer Society that's been around for 113 years, or however long it's been at this point, transitioning them into the digital age, um, and then when I met Nick and and the other founders of Stop Soldier Suicide, I was so excited to get to join a fresh and young nonprofit that was really uh, attacking the problem with a different lens. So taking, you know, social media marketing for in the forefront, taking best in class practices from the startup space and from the entrepreneurial space, and and layering that into the nonprofit experience. So. It's been a joy. It's been, you know, a tough battle <laughs> over the past two years, Nick and I together. But we're making progress, and, and that really has started to show in, in the efforts that we have in our Facebook fundraising.
0: That's awesome. I'm excited to excited to get into that a little bit more with you here in a few minutes, uh, Nick. You're you're a nonprofit and for profit founder. Tell us a little bit That's about correct. your story and uh, why you're you're passionate about this space as well.
2: Sure. So I co founded Good United seven years ago. And the reason why I co-founded Good United was because of my experience with Stop Soldier Suicide. I co-founded Stop Soldier Suicide 10 years ago. And the reason why I did that, right, not because I'm smart, but because I had, you know, experiences, um, you know, previously in the military. So I had the opportunity to serve with 173rd Airborne out of Vicenza, Italy. Um, we went to Afghanistan for uh, two and a half years. My first deployment was 15 months. Uh, we were stationed on the border of Pakistan, so a place called FOB wow. Tillman named after Pat Tillman, was a football player for the Arizona Cardinals, a fellow ranger, and was unfortunately killed on the mountain that we were at. Uh, I was with 120 guys, and we fought every single day. After 15 months, um, our unit lost 55 guys, and my 120 guys, we all came back. Two weeks after we came home, one of my soldiers took his own life. So for me, uh, I dedicated my 20s to going to Afghanistan and fighting the enemy, and it was a realization to learn that we've you know, we're killing ourselves at a, a higher clip than the enemy ever could. And so I wanted to do something about it. The other two co-founders and I came together. We started Stop of Suicide. And in growing that organization, uh, the one area that continued to frustrate me and made me absolutely mental was donor retention. Hmm. We we're working so hard to get people to focus on our organization and to give. And like many organizations, we only had time to focus on those with the biggest wallets. I think that's garbage, right? So with that, uh, I met a gentleman named Jeremy Berman at Graduate School in uh, North Carolina. And we started hypothesizing, and iterating on what could we do with technology? How can we leverage technology to you know, democratize the fundraiser experience? When, no matter how much you're worth or how much you give, you deserve to have a meaningful relationship with that nonprofit. So we've been charged with that at Goody Night for the past seven years. And it's been a really interesting experience. Uh, on one hand, with Stop sort of Suicide, when able to find a crowd of people like Tina uh, and then stay involved. And then the other with Good United and seeing the the evolution of this new industry, the market of, of where people are giving. And it's been an absolute pleasure to be a little part of a lot of incredible organizations mission. Uh, so it's it's all one narrative. I'm focused. I've never been smart enough to you know read a book and know what to do, but usually something pisses me off and then I focus and try to solve it. And then that opens up a new thing and then I try to do that one. And so here I'm at, and thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you for that. Very helpful. So uh, obviously as the founder of, of Stop Soldier Suicide and Tina, the chief growth officer, which I love that title, by the way, several podcasts that we talked about titles and uh, growth officer was one that that you know I think is an important for every organization to have, to be focused on growth, new opportunities. Uh, Tina, tell us a little bit more about the mission of Stop Soldier Suicide and what what is the goal of the organization? I've seen uh, you guys post a bit on LinkedIn about one day you hope the organization doesn't have to exist. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about the mission and, and uh, what you're trying. I mean, it, the name says it in and of itself, but uh, talk to us a little bit more about the mission of Stop Soldier Suicide.
1: So service members and veterans have a 50% higher rate of suicide than our national population. So that means the average, you know, civilian is, you know, we're facing this mental health crisis as a country and our veterans are even facing 50% higher risks for for suicide. So we at Sub Soldier Suicide are really determined to disrupt that space, to think differently about how we can save service member and veteran lives. Um, one of the misnomers that it's just important for everybody to know, soldier is an, is an Army term. We were founded by three Army Rangers. We have... Now, we, or we support all branches, right? So we, we serve those who've been in the Navy. We serve those who've been in the, in the Air Force. We serve all branches, all eras. And we're finding that the, actually the younger population is, uh, has an even more acute risk for suicide. So all of that to say, we have a goal to reduce veteran suicide to the national average. So that would mean that we have to reduce it by 40%. We have set a, a flag in, in the sand we want to do that by 2030. So by the year 2030, we will have reduced veteran suicide to the national average so that no service member or veteran has a more acute risk of suicide than anyone else in our country. Um, And that's a big task, right? That's a big task. But the the thing that we're faced with and what we're focused on will make sure that we're not trying to do everything for everyone. We just stay wholly focused on the suicide issue. There are many, many, many layers that need to be unpacked for our service members and veterans. Many of them are suffering from PTSD, but it's not just PTSD. Many of them have traumas from their childhoods that have never been unpacked. We have military sexual trauma that's pervasive. We have all these things that we're, we're working through. And really differentiator for us is that we take time to respect and honor where that veteran or service member is when they come to us. They come in our door. Each one of them is unique. We're going to serve their needs where they are today. They're never going to get a bill from us. And we're going to stay with them as long as it takes. Um, so that could be six months. That could be two years. We're committed to, to staying with that individual no matter what. And we're seeing it prove out. We're seeing very high NPS scores from our clients. We're seeing, you know, testimonial after testimonial that said, I would be dead if it weren't for, for you guys. So we're really, really proud of the work that we're doing.
2: I think, Justin, one of the big shifts we had in this organization is Satina's point Coming up with a quantifiable goal that we're going to accomplish, yep. and for the first seven years, we were really about helping people, and we didn't have the resources or the capacity to think bigger. And there's a you know incredible moment that we had up in Washington D.C. where a young soldier, uh, we were getting an award from the Department of Defense, uh, and a young soldier came up to me and said, "Hey, congratulations, sir. Uh, you know what's the name of the organization?" He go, "Stop soldier suicide." He goes, "Oh, cool. When are you going to do that?" Hmm. So what? When are you going to stop soldier suicide? I was like, oh, I don't know. So maybe we should come up with that answer. And since we've come up with that answer, a very bold answer, yeah. um, it's really changed the game of how we've been able to build community uh, from all different types of donor tiers. Uh, but I think that thanks to TNN team, you know, we have a shot to accomplish our mission.
0: That's, I was going to underscore that, that point. And I think for our listeners, this is so important. Uh, when you have a big and bold vision... Uh, when you're trying to end something or eradicate a certain challenge, being able to set a timeline with an articulate vision gets right. donors very excited. You mentioned, you know, seeing uh, retent- donor retention rates just being uh, terrible. It's because a lot of times donors don't know what they're funding, and you know, they they know an organization needs money, but they don't know well what's what's the actual end goal. What am I? What is the actual return that this donation is going to deliver on for the organization? So having that big. Bold sort of vision with with a a timeline, uh, I think, is such an important exercise for organizations to go through. uh, To one, obviously, set vision, but two, to understand: are we making progress towards that vision uh, year after year after year? You said definitely applaud you for that.
2: The other opportunity within that that we found is, especially talking with high net worth or corporate or grants, it's a much different dialogue when you say that we would like to have money or we would like to have money to phase. We'd like an investment to phase fund one. Um, I'm sorry, to fund phase one, right? right? Like we're going to accomplish something. I need you to invest, so therefore we can earn the opportunity to go to phase two, which uh, mm-hmm. I think is a different mentality or different thinking uh, that other nonprofits I think would find success with.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. More more long term fundraising goals versus you know short term. Right, a lot of times we're we're trying to fundraise the the current fiscal budget we're in. Uh, and we have these impact numbers we want to accomplish this year. I think donors get more excited about what we're accomplishing in three years, five years. Um, and so love that. Love that phased approach as as, as well. So let's talk about with a, with a big, bold mission. Obviously, uh, you're going to need lots of capital. And one of the channels uh, that Stop Social Suicide has been very successful in is Facebook fundraising. So Nick, I'd love to to kind of get started here with our listeners just to understand the opportunity this channel presents how much is being raised on on facebook today uh, you know since the inception or you know whatever whatever metrics you have cuz a lot of times i think nonprofits kind of passively tip their toe in in facebook i think good united has obviously cracked something here and, and so we'd love for our listeners to understand the opportunity that facebook fundraising presents
2: Sure. Uh, I think we try to market size this and then focus on user behavior. So Facebook, to my knowledge, I think is at 67 or 70% of Americans spend time at Facebook. The most recent report that I've seen is Americans spend 43 minutes a day. No offense, Tina, or anyone who stops suicide, I spend zero minutes a month on the website. I spend mm-hmm. zero minutes a month on any website. So if we know that people are spending time in the places where they want to be, um, how do we think through how to engage with them there and being able to leverage a great platforms like yourself to be able to follow up and build that relationship? And I think that Facebook came to market. I think they just released that $6 billion has been given over the past five years. Um, they're starting to unroll out features in Instagram. But I think, just in that there's a real neat opportunity of what's happening. Uh, and COVID has just accelerated the user behavior in that TikTok has given functionality. We're hearing great things with Twitch. Um, you know, all these different kind of niche uh, in networks, Spotify, YouTube. It really seems like these other networks are also trying to follow along with what Facebook's proven out and that who has better stories in philanthropy, right? So like if you want their mm. business, model is advertising. So if you want people to engage in eyeballs and engage with content, who's got a better story than Stop Soldier Suicide or pick your organization, right? I mean, really compelling stuff. So yeah. how can those for-profit businesses enable and empower nonprofits to want to, you know, focus and put content into their their world.
0: Got it. And I know, um, Tina, one of like the perceived, I think, challenges that a lot of organizations, we we hear this all the time at Fundraise, is, well, you know, Facebook, you don't get the data. So we can't do we can't run our normal donor stewardship plays. Does an organization have to choose between data and, and good stewardship? What's your kind of reaction to that obstacle that that we hear from so many nonprofits?
1: It's really interesting to think about that question in the historical sense in that every nonprofit organization, and like I said, you know, I came from a, a nonprofit organization that was, you know, a legacy brand, one that's been around for hundred years. And so we're very used to doing things a certain way, but it's really not an or either or at this point. There to Nick's point, people are spending their time in this channel. So if we want to acquire net new, you know, participants, donors, volunteers. We need to go where they're spending time. It's about you know, it being a starting point for the organization. So what it's doing is giving you know exposure and fundraising at the consumer level, maybe for the first time. What we're finding at Stop Soldier Suicide is 80 to 85, even up to 90% of the people who engage in our Facebook fundraisers are brand new donors to Stop Soldier Suicide. So as we acquire them, Then it's up to us. you know. Good United provides this wonderful platform where we are able to engage with them in platform. Their their bot technology is really, really robust in that it makes the person on the other end of that that donor or that volunteer feel like we're having a personal one-on-one experience with them. And so then it's up to us to use the data that we gather either through the Facebook reports when the donor does check the box and say, yes, you can have my information, or from the Good United bot that says, hey, we'd love to share your information with Stop Soldier Suicide is this your email address? Do you consent to, for us to use it? Right. So now we, now it's up to us. And then to Nick's point to use those donor engagement strategies to pull those people deeper into our organization. So, you know, from my perspective, it's an acquisition channel where people are spending their time that we yeah. need to understand that consumer attention is, is, you know, their, their attention is where we need to go rather than trying to pull them to where we want them
0: to. And I think the numbers, you know, Illustrate that. I mean, Nick, you know, Nick said earlier, spending almost zero time on a website versus, you know, forty-three minutes a day on something like Facebook. I'm not sure over what period of time this ranges, but it looks like Stop Soldier Suicide has raised roughly four million dollars through Facebook fundraising, which is probably more than you've raised on your website, a hundred thousand plus donors. I mean, how did have you achieved such phenomenal success, you know, through this channel?
1: Yeah, those numbers were from last year. So it's just been really, really exciting to see how people are engaging with us when we invest in this channel. You know, kudos to Nick as my board member for pushing us to invest. Hmm. Right? That's one of the major, major differences that I see, in, you know, nonprofits across the board have this, take a timid approach to investing in acquisition and investing in, you know, Facebook specifically as a channel because of the fear, because of the, you know, the history and not having, you know, really a base there yet. But, you know, we've been encouraged to push not how little can we spend, how much can we spend to go find people who want to engage with us that just don't know about us yet and invite them to something. Um, So we've been very aggressive with our investment. We're seeing five and six times return on the dollars that we're putting in in advertising. But it's been really phenomenal that not Mm. just the, the dollars that we're acquiring in that first peer to peer engagement with us, but also then starting to fold them in. Yeah, it's it's by far and above over any other channel that we're driving right now as an organization is something that we're, you know, want to make sure that we're sort of watching also, right? But it as an acquisition channel and as an entry point, we are getting exposure and, you know, 10, 20, 30, 45 at a time from yeah. so many more donors, hundred, hundred and fifty thousand 150,000 donors at this point that it just makes sense to continue to invest. And I, I, to me I really think that's the difference, Nick.
2: Yeah. Justin, what's interesting is I find nonprofits often operate within a model of scarcity Hmm. and not growth. And I think that you all hit it on the head of fundraise. And if we think about fun, right, an engaging experience in that not every two people are alike. And no matter what you do, I am not going to show up at 6 a.m. to do a 5K pep rally in downtown Charleston. (laughs) It's not happening, right? There's no so don't ask me to do it. But what I might do is do some type of challenge online, or I might want to engage in a new way. So how do we be able to remove our preconceptions and to meet people, whether they want to play a video game for your cause, or they want to do something else. And I think that you know, with the shift and the opening up of giving in social networks, there's so much room for growth, yeah. so much room for growth. And you know, we have the opportunity to serve incredible organizations. And I can tell you that some of the largest in the, on the planet are seeing 90% of the leads that come from social are net new to their house file. Because they're different types of people, right? Yeah. So just so much area for growth and so much opportunity and hope for nonprofits going in the next decade.
0: No, I I absolutely love that. And I what I love, another piece of, of Good United's product offerings is this concept of of appreciation, right? I mean, I, I talked about this the other day on on LinkedIn about the importance of thanking donors. Um, right. A lot of, a lot of the, it, it's, it, it can be as simple as saying thank you is what can, you know, increase your, your retention rate with donors, uh, helping donors understand what you're doing with their money. But talk to us a little bit about how you solved for this on Facebook, right? Again, going back to like the data issue, you're not getting an email address necessarily right away with, with a donation. So how, how is your, how is your appreciation tool helping really steward and move donors along in that process?
2: Sure. So we, we built a really good relationship with the Facebook team, both on the social good side, as well as the, you know, the technical side as well. And with that, being able to develop deep operational and technical ability to be able to thank every single one of the fundraisers for our clients. So every fundraiser that started, we're able to thank. And not only do we thank those people, we prompt them to engage in channel, to talk to the organization and messenger. And Justin, once we're able to do that through the conversational messaging, we're able to start to really build that empathetic and meaningful experience to understand what makes them tick. So through conversational messaging, just like you and I are learning about each other, we're collecting all that data so we could suggest better messaging in the future to understand why would you want to give the stop source of suicide? Well, if you're a veteran like me, right, a knuckle dragger, maybe we should have a different message to someone that's smart like Tina. Right. So how do we start to be able to leverage this data to do segmentation on the fly to be able yeah. to deliver a meaningful experience? So it's early mm-hmm. days for sure. Uh, but our vision is to create a one empower nonprofits, create a one one relationship with every supporter. So we think about it as empathy at scale. So the early days but big opportunity and a big challenge for are we're fired up for.
0: And that, I mean, that's, uh, that's way better than an email address. <laughs> being, able to, being able to do that uh, is going to lead to far more success than, than an email address. Tina, uh, you were going
1: to, I think you're going to add something. Yeah. I mean, just as a consumer, think about it, right? Like for better or for worse. And, and as much as, um, you know, sometimes they, they take some hits in the media, Facebook's good at data. You know, Facebook as a platform, Facebook Inc., right, is good at data. And so we as consumers benefit from that. I as a consumer am one of the one of the ones with the new iOS limitations is saying, yes, you can still track me because I do want to get those ads that are relevant to me, right? And so I think there's us marketers sometimes that know a little bit more behind the curtain and really understand that. But if you think about it, it's creating a relevant experience for all of these people. So whether it's sharing and curating. My newsfeed for my with my friends and family content, or sharing with me a, a relevant nonprofit. This nonprofit using that that content and that experience to share more relevant content with me. It all makes sense, and it's what we as consumers are really moving towards. What we are mm. cons- as consumers are expecting today. So, for us as a nonprofit to be timid about ju- jumping into that space. Is really going to be, you know, a game changer and a differentiator in the nonprofit space as we grow. If if we're if we're sort of stuck in this antiquated doing it as the way we always did, um, I think there are going to be some, you know, major and minor nonprofits that that really get stuck and that don't evolve to where the consumer expects them to be.
0: Totally. Oh man, I, I agree agree so much with that. Uh, you know, <clears throat> when iOS did release that, I was like, is there a hell yes button for me to keep uh, right. being tracked because <laughs> the the relevancy is, is efficiency, right? Instead of having to go and find a company or a product, uh, it's, it's showing me what I, what I need or what I want. Um, and if you, you know, translate that into the, into the nonprofit lens, how do we provide that sort of relevancy to a donor, which keeps them far more yeah. engaged, keeps them giving year over year. So you know, there's definitely a lot yeah. to borrow from that. And so I love that perspective. I've got two more questions, uh, one for each of you. Nick, we've got a lot of obviously nonprofit listeners listening that hopefully are inspired to jump in and really start. Uh, engaging on Facebook. What type of nonprofit makes sense for Good United? And what's the best way for them to get involved? And who makes the most sense for your guys' product?
2: Yeah. So generally, Justin, uh, the best fit is our organizations that have a B2C type brand. So an organization like Stop Sword of Suicide that resonates on social. Some very large organizations just don't have that social presence, whether their name's too complicated or the mission doesn't come right across. They're grant funded. But generally, the organizations that we have the best fit with are ones that already are social, you know, have invested into the social channel, built an audience, built a brand, and that people want to fundraise for. Yeah.
0: Got it. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely uh, link promotional material at the bottom of this podcast. So uh, individuals can push out. We've also launched a new partnership page. We'd love to love to become more formal partners. And and a lot of organizations using fundraise, uh, I think are definitely fit within that sort of uh, category. So definitely looking yeah. forward to formalizing that and, and, and sending uh, more organizations your way to, to, to achieve some of of the success that uh, Tina has achieved with, with Stop Soldier Suicide. Which leads me, uh, Tina, to my last question. Where does Stop Soldier Suicide go from here? Uh, how do you leverage the success that you guys have had over the last year? And, and what what's next?
1: Yeah. I think you know one of the things we started to go digging on, we've, we have all these consumers, we have all these donors that have engaged with us we know that the exponential hockey stick growth that we're seeing right now, year over year, can't sustain forever. Right? There's going to be more and more adoption in the market. There's going to be more and more people who, um, you know, we're having to retain now every year. But then, like I talked about before, how do we really take this information that we've gained from these consumers and use it truly as an acquisition channel? So, for instance, in these challenges that we've done. We're seeing, you know, the group participation. These hugely, hugely engaged uh, participants that are meeting each other in real life, that are becoming real life friends, that are engaging with us in, in deeper and deeper ways. How do we invite them to come deeper with us? So, you know, 65% of our group participants are female. We know fem- females are many of the decision makers in the household. How are we then asking them to come support our monthly giving program? How are we then come at- telling them the story even more deeply about Stop Soldier Suicide? Um, to invite them to tell others and to continue to expand our growth. So it's really exciting to think about, you know, with this influx of new revenue, but also new donors to engage how we take that and, and apply it to expanding our mission even faster, achieving that 40 by 30 goal even faster than 2030 if we can. Wow.
0: Wow. Ambitious, and I love. It sounds like sort of the these hundred thousand donors have been acquired through through Facebook become super warm mid funnel opportunities to funnel exactly. into new funding programs. Sustain, you know, something like recurring giving, like you mentioned. Uh, so it's it's what makes sense for for these different uh, types of donors. And again, that number just blows one hundred thousand donors. Most enterprise organizations doing two billion dollars a year don't have a donor base of a hundred thousand or at least have acquired that many donors in in about a year's time frame. So. Congratulations to you, Tina, on, on really helping grow Stop Soldier Suicide and, and Nick uh, for building a great product that's helping nonprofits uh, scale up their fundraising in, in a meaningful and innovative way. Um, this was a super fun conversation. Thank you both for for joining the podcast. Um, I really appreciate the time uh, that you spent. As I know you're both busy. So thank you for for joining and good luck on your vision and achieving that as soon as possible.
2: Thanks for having us. This is great.
1: Thanks, Justin. Absolutely.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Nonstop Nonprofit. This podcast is brought to you by your friends at Fundraise, nonprofit fundraising software built by nonprofit people. If you'd like to continue the conversation, find me on LinkedIn or text me at 562 242 8160. And don't forget to get your next episode the second it hits the internets. Go to nonstopnonprofitpodcast.com and sign up for email notifications today. See you next time.